Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Buragoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. We start a new series this uh, Sunday about the prophets, and the first one is Amos. And the topic is Turn from Complacency. Turn from complacency. And friends, while preparing, I actually find it quite hard, to be honest, because the prophets don't always give a word of encouragement. As somebody once said, you only realize what they've done once they're dead. And the prophets, poets, and pigs have one thing in common. They usually aren't appreciated until after they're dead. (laughs) Because often what they spoke about comes true. And here is a prophet by the name of Amos, and he speaks words of warning. But folk, these words are good news. Because they warn us against imminent danger if we do our own thing. It was Albert Einstein who said that the world, in that next slide, he said the world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. And so the topic this evening is turn from complacency or turn from apathy. And Einstein spoke in a time where there was great evil in the world. And we know that there is much evil taking place in the world today. And it's by God's design that there is enough evil in the world today to test those who want to do good, but it's also part of God's design that there is enough good in those who want to do good to overcome that evil. And so how do we overcome that evil? Well, Romans twelve twenty one says, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, easier said than done. Absolutely. Well, Amos had exactly the same problem 2,800 years ago or 800 years before the birth of Christ. And so he uh, was not very popular because he spoke the truth, because of what God had told him to share. In fact, the author of the book of Amos is Amos, and his name means burdened. He was burdened for the people that he went to go and speak to. God had burdened him with a message. And uh, he came from uh, the southern kingdom, but God told him to go to the northern kingdom, to Israel, and go and speak to them. And to tell them that imminent danger is at hand. God's judgment will be upon them if they don't turn from their ways. 
And the only way I can relate to this is if my son Michael were to be going down the street, and I know that there are potholes in the street, and he, as he's coming past the house, he goes, Dad, look, no hands. I know that there is imminent danger ahead and my love for him compels me and pushes me out to say, son, in the name of Jesus, no, son, put your hands on the handlebars because you're going to lose your teeth. Young dads know what we're talking about. And that's the truth, folk. God sends Amos and says to Israel, Go and tell them that imminent danger or judgment will come if they don't turn from their ways. Go, Amos. It was around 760 before Christ. We know that because there were two kings that reigned at the same time. King in the northern, uh, the king Uzziah in the northern kingdom and Jeroboam in the southern kingdom. Be careful, God says. Go warn them that there is danger. And the main theme of that book is the certainty of judgment. Now, friends, if you're not guilty, you don't mind standing before God in judgment. But if you're guilty, my goodness, it's scary. If you've done nothing wrong, you don't mind standing in court before a judge because you're not guilty. There is a normal fear that grips one. But if you're guilty, it's it's crazy. I don't know about you, but not that I've done anything wrong most times, but if I see a cop around me, I put both hands on the steering wheel, the phone can ring, man, and I can push whatever buttons, but I'm not going to push it at that time. I don't even look. If I need to turn left in case I do the wrong thing, I'll just turn at the next one when the cop goes away. (laughs) Just in case. But you know, before God... We welcome judgment if we're not guilty. But if we're guilty, there's danger. And so God sends Amos and he says, go warn the people that there's uh, the certainty of judgment if they don't abide by the plumb line. I'm going to ask Mike to read Amos chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, please. A reading from the book of Amos, chapter 7. Verses 7 to 8. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Thank you, Mike. Folk, As you look at that previous slide in verse 7, it says, this is what he showed me. That word showed means this is what God has advised me, and this is what God has shown me and allowed me to experience this. And then in verse 8, he says, what do you see? And and um, Amos says, a plumb line. And then God says to him, well, look. Behold, open your eyes and see because I'm setting or I'm bringing or I'm appointing. I I, I want you to be wise about what I'm about to show you, Amos. And I think that same message is for you and for me today. And I want to draw some similarities between Israel 2,800 years ago 
and Australia in 2019. And I don't want to read things into a passage, but see if there are some similarities, some principles that we can glean on, and we need to look or behold and see and experience what God is saying to you and to me. And he's saying there is a plumb line. If you can see in that picture on the left-hand side, that is the old way that they used to hang a, a weight down called the plumb, and that line to, to show what, how it was to build a straight wall. And as a brick mason or builder hung that line down with a weight at the bottom, gravity would allow that line to be straight. And they would begin to build that wall according to the line that was straight. Nowadays, uh, bricklayers, brick masons use a level or they use string going across and they pull it nice and taut and tight and so they build along that line. And so if you were to build at the bottom, you go a few bricks up, you can see if it's skew. But the more you build and it's skew, the bigger it will lean over. And when that wall falls over, it's not going to fall over just at those bricks that are skew. It falls over from the bottom because it started going skew down at the bottom. And God is saying... Go tell the people that I'm setting a plumb line before them. I have set a plumb line before them. And that plumb line, folk, we all know is the word of God. And they knew about the plumb line. They knew about the Ten Commandments. They knew what God had instructed them to do. God had given them the plumb line. And God has given you and me a plumb line. And it's the word of God. And he's saying, I want you to live and build your lives according to the plumb line. Because it might not look too skew, but in the long-term scheme of things, the more you live your life away from God, the bigger the gap gets. And be careful, the wool will fall over. And so what are some of the lessons we can learn? And there are lessons to learn, because if we don't learn those lessons, we are like that frog in the boiling hot water. It started off being cold, and we begin to adapt ourselves to that water. And before we know it, uh, like that frog in that pot on the stove, do not try this at home, it begins to boil and dies. What are the lessons that you and I can learn to avoid complacency, turn from complacency. Turn from apathy. I think lesson number one, God warns before he judges. God warns before he judges. You see, God sent prophets to Judah, the southern kingdom, and to Israel, the northern kingdom, so they could warn the people to turn from complacency and not to turn their back on God, but to turn facing God and to abide by his commandments. So God sends Amos to Israel in the northern kingdom and he says, uh, God is going to punish Damascus, Gaza, and Tyre for their sins. And those were those who came against Israel. And everybody said, amen. You know, this is good news. You preach it, brother Amos. Preach it, brother. And then they didn't get on so well with the southern kingdom. 
And God says he's going to bring judgment and punish the southern kingdom. And everybody went, amen, preach it, brother. But then God says, I'm going to bring judgment on you, Israel. Amos, you bad news. You don't know what you're talking about. Go back to where you came from. You're a bad prophet, you. What kind of a man are you to speak bad news to us? It's like me proclaiming that anybody who comes against Australia will lose their teeth. Anybody who comes against our nation will be in trouble. But if I were to say, if we don't turn from our immorality and our wicked ways, then judgment is coming from us, and I know you won't greet me after the service, and I'm okay with that. But that's the truth, folk. That's the truth. That God wants us to abide by the plumb line. He warns the church, our local church, our national church, our universal church, all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn from complacency. You see, the, the design of a boat is to be in the water. But when there is water in the boat, that's disaster. God calls the church to be a shining light, to be salt. But when we become like the nations around us and we know no different, and there is no difference, then God will say, I'm afraid I will leave you to your own devices. And God warns before he judges. Just this week I heard a a discussion on the radio and it spoke about them wanting to remove the Lord's Prayer from Parliament. Now, they've been saying the Lord's Prayer in Parliament for the last 100 years. I investigated this, and I thought, wow, Lord, this is radical if they want to change and stop uh, the Lord's Prayer. And I read up a little bit about it, and I was even more shocked because this started taking place in March this year. And so they began to investigate it. The Lord's Prayer has been acknowledged and at the start of each parliamentary session, uh, and I I quote, State Parliament has opened each sitting, sitting day with the Lord's Prayer for the past 100 years, but in recent years has also included an acknowledgement of traditional owners, normal. And in... Some of the rules and regulations of Parliament, chapter 8, paragraph 50, says the president on taking the chair each day shall read the following prayer. Now, folk, forget about how they behave, but at least there's acknowledgement of who God is. And I was moved by this. And I thought, oh, what am I going to really do about it? Complacency, apathy. But by virtue that I know about it, I have to respond. The praise, Almighty God, we humbly beseech thee to vouchsafe thy special blessing upon this parliament and that thou wouldst be, beautiful King James language, be pleased to direct and prosper the work of thy servants to the advancement of thy glory and to the true welfare of the people of Australia. And then those who want to say the Lord's Prayer, they all say the Lord's Prayer together. But now they want to get rid of that. And there are some parliamentarians from a particular party that actually don't come into Parliament un, un, uh, until that prayer is said. And they are pushing that they get rid of the Lord's Prayer in Parliament. And sadly, the church is not going to do anything about it. Apathy, 
complacency. And there is danger in that because God has warned his people. In fact, God has warned his people and he says in Amos 4, 6, I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me. And God repeats that same refrain five times. He says, I brought floods over your land. I, gave, I brought drought over your land. I have uh, allowed certain uh, bad things to happen over your land. And you have still not returned to me. And so God says, if you return, I will heal you. And so he warns us over and over and over again. Now, I'm not saying that we have drought now because of our immorality or disobedience. But you kind of wonder what's going on. Because when it comes to droughts, the church nationally is not turning up to God and saying, let's have a national day of prayer as a church. We don't have to make it a public holiday. But I've not received anything across my email apart from junk saying, let's do this, that, and the next thing. But nowhere does it say, let's have a national day of prayer. And I know what you're thinking. Well, if that's what you're burdened with, go for it. But friends, it's easy to become complacent and to actually say, she'll be all right, mate. Each one to his own. If you want to pray, pray. If you don't want to pray, just leave it. And then I began to investigate what's the drought situation in our country. And there is a major drought. Maybe not so much in WA, but in the rest of our country there is drought. And it affects each and every one of us directly or indirectly. The prices we pay for certain things. People are struggling. And there have been major droughts. uh, 1895 to 1903, 1958 to 1968, 10 years. More recently a major one, 1982 and 1983. Now, again, major drought, major drought. What is God saying? And I don't want to find a demon behind every bushel, but we need to see. Behold, look, there is something happening. God warns before he judges. Secondly, complacency can destroy a person and a country. You know the story about a survey that was taken, what is the biggest problem in the world today? Ignorance or apathy? That was the question that's asked. Ignorance or apathy? And the person replies, I don't know and I don't care. (laughs) Ignorance, I don't know. Apathy, I don't care. Friends, that's dangerous. But if we can respond in some way, that's good. If I were to ask you, what is the opposite of love? We'll say hate. What's the opposite of hate? We'll say love. Well, friends, actually not. Because love and hate are passions, pathos, pathos. But if you put a little A in front of it, that's dangerous because eh, at least with love, you've got passion toward it. Hate, you've got passion toward, you hate someone. But apathy says, "Ah, I don't really care. Dangerous. It's not a popular message, but we need to to hear it. Amos spoke it to those people. And our complacency can destroy us as human beings. And even us as a nation. And Amos warns them and he goes into detail. And he says to them, goodness, he says, listen, 
You put off the evil day and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on your beds in lane with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on... Now, you know, he's going to specifics here. And friends, we live in such an amazing country. But sadly, from a spiritual, religious perspective, we're going backward. The fastest growing religion, if there is such a thing as atheism, as a religion, it's the fastest growing of the religions in our nation. In 2006, there were 18.7% of the population that were no religion on a census. That's 3.7 million people. 2016, 30.1%, that's 7 million people. In 1966, 88% of Australia was categorized as Christian. In 2016, 52%. And I'm sure in 2019 it's less than that, sadly. Atheism. Atheism. We don't really care. I think the church needs to respond in some way. Michael Griffiths uh, wrote a book called Wake Up, The Sleeping Beauty. It's an old book, a little classic. And, you know, he says that the church is beautiful. It's the bride of Christ. But it doesn't help if the church is fast asleep. We've begun to accept certain things that are against the plumb line as, and we've made them acceptable, which are often an, an abomination in the eyes of God. God warns before he judges, and complacency can destroy a person and a nation. But friends... There is some good news, and you all said hallelujah. It's about time, Christophides. It is good news because God will restore any person or country that returns to him. Individually and a nation. If we come and we say, God, we, we turn from our ways, and the, the church needs to be the leader in that regard. God tells them in Amos chapter 9 that he will restore their land. The last chapter in the book of Amos. He will bring them back to their land and they will not be removed from there. I don't want to get into an argument uh, about the condition of Israel. Uh, If they carry on or if they do abuses, it's God's plan. Because then they willfully turn against God. And I don't know the outcome of all of that. But... God said, I will restore your land. We know in 722 BC, the northern kingdom is taken over by the Assyrians. They're going to captivity. Judah, the southern kingdom, in 586 uh, by the Babylonians. But then God takes them back at about 400 BC so they can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So God can dwell with them. Thank God there were a few, the remnant like a few coals that were kept alight, and God restored that nation. May we be found faithful in continuing to pray for our nation and taking steps and speaking out against what is wrong. As long as we are faithful toward God, God will honor that. But we need to acknowledge that we haven't always been faithful, but we don't have to carry on that way. We don't have to carry on that way. So what does that mean for you and for me? 
in November 2019. I think with reference to the vision that God gave Amos and the vision that is before us in the book of Amos, there are some similarities. Firstly, that it's our duty to focus on what God has revealed. To focus on what God has revealed. That perhaps we are not in that plumb line or aligned with that plumb line that is straight, that God has set before us. But also that we need to look and experience, as it says in verse 8, behold, experience what God is showing us and make some sort of difference. You say, well, the task is too big. Well, friends, it took 12 disciples to change the world. My beautiful mother says, every drop fills the bucket. You go, well, the task is too big, but every drop counts. If we can just make a small difference, God will honor that. We need to be quickened in our attention because there are, there are concerns for people here. Concerns for people, not just, you know, kind of a program. Jesus died for people. And we need to speak out against some of these things that are against people. Unborn babies and and atrocities and human rights abuses. We can make a difference. And we need to say it in the right way, obviously. And so what is God saying to you and to me? Every drop counts. And then that plumb line that God has set in verse 7 it needs to apply to our lives uh, and our bodies. In other words, the, the work of God should be uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and as we, we live our lives that are pleasing to him, we should be keeping our, our lives holy. In that next slide, you'll see some of those points there. As they are applied to the Spirit, that we, we need to live lives that are characterized by righteousness. And holiness. And we should do our best to hold ourselves accountable so we don't fall into sin. Stay close to men and women of the church and of God. And make yourself accountable. And then we need to abide by what is right and holy. Not because of the popularity of the world. But because of what God says in his word. So if Christ is the head of the church, these visions are signs of God's grace. And friends, it sounds so hard to preach this message. But when you see a red traffic light, you know that that is good news. Because you stop. That's good news. It will go green. And then you can go. But if you break that traffic light or that rule and regulation, your life could be taken and those around you as well. Here is the plumb line. Here is the red traffic light. It's good news. It's God's grace. It's God's mercy. Amos going to the northern kingdom and speaking to Israel is good news. Son, put your hands back on the handlebars. I love you, son. I don't want to see you without teeth. I don't want to see you with blood all over your body, son. That's good news. That warning is good news. Because we can 
fall and hurt ourselves and stand before God in judgment because we are guilty. I believe we can't be silent any longer. Will our apathy as a church, capital C, national church, universal church, will our apathy as a national church destroy our nation because we don't do anything? Or will we make a difference? Because God has set the plumb line before us. Will we say, as Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I pray to God that as a nation we will say, we, the church, and our nation will serve the Lord. The church needs to be the leader. And then our freedom is not being destroyed by terrorists, but by ignorance, by apathy, and by complacency. Our dumbing down is not accidental, but a very well-organized plan. If we don't plan to do something, then we're planning our own judgment, as it were. As for me and my household, can I say with absolute confidence, we will serve the Lord. As for you and your household, can you say with absolute confidence, you will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, some hard words. But Lord, it's because you love us just as we are. But Lord, you love us too much to leave us the way we are. And so by your grace and by your mercy, we pray that you will forgive us for not being faithful and not standing up for the truth at all times. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful. Help us, Lord, with zeal and energy to be able to speak up for what is right to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves Lord that we as Christians as a church as men and women of God will turn to you because that's all we know no other name but the name of Jesus help us Lord we pray in Jesus name We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.